Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Well, this past week, Jason was in the pulpit on Sunday morning and continuing our walk through the book of Peter, now into Second Peter. Great textual studies as we're looking at our theme for this year, I am his and he is mine. And Jason is kind of taking us through the lens of Peter and the words that Peter wrote. And so we were in Second Peter chapter 1, and Second Peter chapter 1 really has major, major things in there for us to see. There's that section there about the virtues, what every Christian should add to their life. There's a section in here that's going to talk about the transfiguration, and also it ends talking about inspiration. We're going Big to ideas. They are. And so we're going to particularly talk about this inspiration thing at the very end. But Jason, just kind of walk us through the sermon one more time, and just remind all of our listeners that uh, this sermon and all of our sermons are kept on our website. They, they can be downloaded anytime. We can go back and re-listen or re-watch them and pass them on to other people, and that's it's just building a library of a wealth of information. And that's, that's just a tribute to the guys here that help so much behind the scenes that really make this valuable. You know, years ago when I first started preaching, you preached a sermon and that was it. It was over. And now these things live on and live on and are passed on and just a wealth of good is coming from these. And we're so thankful that we can do that in these times. Absolutely. I, uh, I was thinking just the other day, the first church I worked with, uh, they were capturing recordings uh, of sermons, but they were on cassette tapes. And I don't remember what it was that got me thinking, but uh, I would be very, very surprised if any of those cassette tapes are even still alive. If they were, I'm not sure what you would play them on. So <laughs> we live in an amazing time for sure. And we're thankful, as you said, for the people who serve in a variety of ways right here in our church family. So yes, we were in Second Peter chapter 1. We are, are looking particularly at our theme. I am his and he is mine. I have loved this experience for several reasons. One of them is we know more about the life of Peter. We have more documentation about his life than, for instance, someone like Paul. Paul goes back and he gives us some basic details, but we have so many instances of Peter as he was interacting with the Lord Jesus over the course of three years. And Second Peter 1 is a great example of that, taking us back to the, the transfiguration. So what we've been doing is, is trying to get into Peter's head, if you will, or walk in his sandals and notice what this great theme would mean to him. I am the Lord's and the Lord is mine. But also notice how the Lord uses Peter to talk to us. And Second Peter 1 is a, a great example of that. He starts out in verse 1, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. How amazing is that, that through the work of the Spirit and the lives of these men, 
ordinary people 2,000 years later can obtain a faith that is of equal standing even with the apostles. And we noticed in the sermon what that faith, the impact that it has on our lives. Faith is the base, it's the foundation of everything. But Peter, in in 2 Peter chapter 1, talks about what needs to be added to that faith or or supplemental to that faith. And of course, as you mentioned, it is this classic list of virtue and knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. These are the things that help us see clearly a variety of things, but (laughs) foundational for our study is these things help us see the reality of I am his, he is mine. He moves on from there, of course, to talk about this incredible instance when he and James and John were up on this exceedingly high mountain and they saw Jesus changed before them. They heard the words from heaven, from the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Peter shares a very personal experience, but then moves on once again to talk to us. We need to understand what we are holding in our hands. This was not produced by the will of man. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And if we will listen to the scriptures, if we will treat them that way, what we can enjoy is a faith of equal standing, even with the Apostle Peter. That's amazing. Well, this this chapter reminds me of a suitcase when somebody's going on vacation because it's just stuffed. <laughs> and you know, if you've ever re- tried to try to sit on your suitcase and squeeze more in, that's kind of what this chapter is all about. There are so many wonderful, wonderful, and powerful concepts in here. It really helps us. But let's let's talk about this idea of the transfiguration. Okay. And that, that comes out of the Gospels, and we're told what took place there. But first of all, for our listeners who may not be familiar with us. What do we mean by transfiguration and why was it so important? Yeah, yeah. So it is recorded for us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Matthew and Mark use the phrase transfigured. Uh, in Luke's gospel, we read the appearance of his face was altered. And that uh, is maybe the easiest way of thinking about it. If we break transfigured down, figure, of course, has to do with the appearance of your faith. And, and trans means to to change, right? To to cross in some way. And so uh, the, the way that I'll, I'll just camp in Luke chapter 9 for an example. Jesus takes Peter. James and John up on the mountain to pray. And Luke tells us in Luke 9, 29, that as he was praying, speaking of Jesus, the appearance of his face was altered. His clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly there are two men talking with him, Moses and Elijah. And 
Maybe it is easy if you're just getting to know the story of the Bible to read right over that, but we recognize both of these men lived centuries before Jesus, and yet here they are on this mountain talking with Jesus. Peter is an eyewitness of those things. So why Moses? Why Elijah? Why not Noah? Why not Daniel? I mean, there's just a long list we could stick in there. Why those two, you think? Well, and I appreciate you saying you think, because this is just what I think. Think, but I love Luke's account because he he tells us in Luke nine thirty one they were speaking to Jesus of his the English Standard translates it his departure. Literally, if we're reading the language of 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 uh, Luke writing in the first century, the the most uh, consistent way, the clearest way of translating that is they were talking to him about his exodus, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And of course, if you think of one figure in connection with an exodus, that's Moses, right? If you think of the most spectacular exodus from the the physical life, Elijah has got to be right up there at the top of the list. You think about how he departed from this life. And so not only do you have this exodus, this departure thread, but also from the standpoint of the Jews, and it, it comes through loud and clear, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, Don, uh, and John, Jesus will often refer, or the Jews will often refer to the law and the prophets. Well, the law. Who comes to mind immediately with the law? That's Moses. Who comes to mind with the prophets? Elijah has got to be right at the top of that list. This is what people in the first century would listen to and build their faith upon. The law of Moses, the writing of the prophets, but here a voice comes from heaven saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Moses was used by God in amazing ways. Elijah was used by God in amazing ways. Neither one of them was the son of God. And the last phrase in that voice from heaven, I think, is the absolute key. Listen to him. And so from the standpoint of a Peter, James, and John, okay, I have always grown up thinking no one is greater than Moses and Elijah But here is a voice from heaven saying, someone even greater is among us. So why did Jesus close and face change to get that across? I mean, what... Why was he transfigured? Why, you know, why, why couldn't he just have Moses and Elijah show up? They have this little discussion. God speaks and got the point. But there was a, there was a radical change in the appearance of Jesus. Yeah. What, what's your take on that? Well, and again, it is my take. I'm, this is just conjecture, but I think what a powerful way of showing these men again, there is more going on here than meets the eye. Uh, they had seen that when Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves and they marveled from the boat in Galilee. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? They had gotten a glimpse of that and Peter had even participated in it when Jesus walks on the water 
but here to have his clothes become dazzling white. Well, that is the, the only thing that I know that is even close to that is, okay, even more than the apparel of a high priest, this perhaps is what we're most acquainted with an angelic heavenly being wearing his his face is altered well we know he's here in the flesh with us we know that he was born we know that he eats and and drinks and experiences fatigue but this is more than just another ordinary man here this is something going on much more than we can see with our physical eyes. Yeah, you know, my take on this has always been Jesus is is taking a step back, and you've seen me as the Galilean. Mm -hmm. You've seen me, uh, you know, walk on water and do those things you mentioned. I'm going to show you what God looks like. I'm going to pull the curtain back. Give you a glimpse of glory. This is what glory looks like, and it's brighter than the sun. It's 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 just this is God, and and what an impression upon them. I mean, that should have changed them. I think it did the rest of their lives as they realized this is not just a rabbi. This is more than a teacher. This is God, and he has pulled that curtain back, and we have seen that. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, Moses couldn't do that. Uh, that wasn't Moses. Elijah never could do that. And so he's showing, again, the supreme position of Jesus. Jesus is above the law. Jesus is above the prophets. Jesus is God. And I think the transfiguration really puts a stake in the ground about that. No doubt. And it sticks in Peter's mind. I mean, what we're reading in Second Peter is... 30-ish years later, right? And he is still eager to write about, we heard this voice from heaven, but I love how he has helped us through this study. If you just walk through First and Second Peter, he is very quick to share, listen, I was there, I was an eyewitness, but if you will listen to God, and that, I think, is the, the point here at the end of Second Peter 1. I heard the voice on that high mountain, but you also have heard the voice through the scriptures. And though you have not seen him, you can still love him. Though you were not there to hear the voice with your own eardrums, you can still believe in him. And again, if you do, you can obtain a faith of equal standing right along with us. Absolutely. And and as you mentioned, the scriptures there, this chapter ends in verse 20 and 21 by saying, But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And that's where we get this concept of inspiration. And so uh, in verse 20, we hear this a lot today, this this phrase, your interpretation. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it comes up when when there's a uh, disagreement about what the Bible says, and the easy answer is, well, that's how you see it. That's your interpretation. I interpret it dif- 
differently. And so you're right, I'm right, everybody's right. <laughs> and is that what Peter's driving at here? No, no, I, I don't think that's it at all. I, um, you know, as you think about what we have in the scriptures, and we talked a little bit about this in the sermon, um, we know that we are, right? We exist. We know that we are on this world, and there are all sorts of interpretations as to how all of this around us had its beginning. Well, Scripture tells us how, <laughs> right? It tells us where things came from. Uh, you, you think about some of the significant ev events in Israel's history, the parting of the Red Sea, okay? Uh, there could be all sorts of guesses and hypotheses and theories as to how that water was parted, but it's not left up to our interpretation we know how that was parted. How did the walls of the city of Jericho fall? Uh, th there would be some, perhaps, that would look at that and interpret it as, well, there was a great earthquake. And that's the reason. The children of Israel just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Even in the life of Jesus, right? There were lots of people trying to interpret, who is this? How does he have this power? How does he know the things that he knows? Here is Peter assuring us, listen, this is not a matter of our interpretation. This is not our theory as to how the world came to be, how God mightily delivered Israel. It's not even our interpretation about who Jesus was. No, this was not produced by the will of man. Your scriptures were not produced by the will of man. What was foretold ahead of time, men didn't come up with that. This was the work of the Holy Spirit of God carrying these messengers along, which means, if that's true, as I read the writings of Peter I'm reading more than just his thoughts or his theories. He is a mouthpiece used by God so that we can know God's will for our lives. So back in the Gospel of Matthew, when uh, Peter made that great confession that yeah. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, uh, the Lord responded, says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Right. And the point of that is, you know, if, if you could be in a room with all the apostles and Jesus, you couldn't pick one out by the way he looked. He didn't have a halo above his head as the artist draws. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't wear a, a clothing that made him stand out. Fle that's flesh and blood picking that out. Okay, we go to the airport and we see somebody famous. Well, well we recognize their face, and that's that reveals us to us. But what he's saying here is God revealed this. And so when we talk about inspiration, that's kind of that idea, that God revealed it. Now, what's interesting is when we look at our Bible as a unit, there are 66 books, and if God is the one who's revealing this, they don't read the same. And so when you read a book like Proverbs or James, so simplistic and straightforward, you read a book like Ezekiel, full of visions. You read a book like Romans, that's kind of a tough book with mm -hmm. all the argumentation Paul goes through. So 
How does that fit in with inspiration? Yeah, yeah. So I would lean on not only Second Peter 1, but Second Timothy chapter 3, right? A classic passage where Paul says all Scripture is breathed out by God. God is the giver of this information, right? This comes from the mind of God. But very clearly, he is able to use Peter, Peter's personality, Peter's learning, Peter's experiences, uh, Peter's heart to communicate to us through these letters. Paul was not Peter, right? Paul had a different education, different background, different experiences. You read 1 Peter next to Romans, and they don't sound the same, right? Now, they both contain, I would absolutely contend, God-breathed truth. But here is the wonder of inspiration. And listen, if if it is not a challenge for this God to speak the universe into existence, it is not a challenge to use the voice, the experience, the personalities of two different people to communicate timeless, perfect truth. But I do believe it comes from the mind of God through these distinct personalities, and that is amazing. So when, when we talk in our modern times today, like an artist or a musician, and we say, where does your inspiration come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Is that the same thing we're talking about here? No, no. I don't believe that God breathes through a, a, a great painter right, or a a great musician today. What is being described here is revelation, right? God, if we lean on Jude in verse 3, the, the, there was this faith that was delivered to the saints, right? That faith is this body of teaching, this revelation, the fulfillment of these prophecies. And so we throw that word around. I mean, we we can watch a great athlete, and even as we're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, we can say, well, that was really inspiring. But we're talking here about being carried along by the Holy Spirit of God so that something I could not do or know on my own is delivered, is conveyed from the very mind of God. So just going a little bit deeper here, uh, was this kind of like a divine outline? God gives point A, point B, point C, and then Peter and Paul put in sub point one, sub point two, and they kind of they kind of filled in their own ideas with what God said. Yeah, no, I I think that is too loose personally with this whole thing. I I don't think God gave some cliff notes, a basic skeleton outline, and then left it up to these people to fill it in. As you read, especially Paul, how he communicates in his letters to the churches, he wants them to know, as you read, you can understand the mystery of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, he says. I believe these men fully believed and wanted others to believe what we are communicating is from God. It's not 
a little bit of truth and a whole lot of our theories attached, this is communication from God himself. So confidently we can say this is the word of God. Yes. That's what it should be. Uh, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. Once in Paul's ideas, it was the Lord's commandment. Yeah. And so we, we can, we can talk about 1 Peter, 2 Peter, but what we're reading are the words that God wanted Peter to write. Yeah. And so every word is inspired. Every word needs to be there. The order of the words matters. All that, all that kind of flows together. This is a heavy topic and a lot of people uh, miss this. And if you don't start at the right place, you know, it's kind of like drawing a line across a piece of paper. If you start a little bit crooked by the end of your page, you're going to be way off. Yeah. And if we don't begin with this, this is what God says. So when I come across some things and I say, well, you know, I don't like that. I'm not arguing with Paul. I'm not arguing with the church. I'm arguing with God. Yes. And I'm going to lose that argument because God's always right. And so I come across a passage and it doesn't fit with my culture, my lifestyle, what I want. I'm the one who changes, not the Bible. Because God has said, and as God speaks, it is. And, and that that helps us to really appreciate the words that we read from the Word of God. Yeah, well, and I, I appreciate you heading there because that's exactly where Peter eventually goes in Second Peter chapter 2, right? There are people who will not abide by what God has said. We'll save that for a week and a half from now. <laughs> so I appreciate the opportunity uh, to revisit that with you. Definitely. I have enjoyed this series and have been encouraged by so much of the feedback of those who have watched and, and listened even after the fact. Well, Roger, it is Wednesday. And of course, we are looking forward to this evening, 7 o'clock p.m. What about your auditorium class tonight? We continue our series on profiles of ser- of serving looking at different stories in our Bible that helps us to see the value of of being engaged and serving others. Tonight takes us to John 13, where Jesus, the master, was the feet of the disciples. And that's just a powerful reminder of serving. And that's what we're going to look at. Excellent. You said a few minutes ago that this chapter is like an overstuffed suitcase, and I could not agree more. It just so happens that our Wednesday building block track of studies in the month of December, we're camping right here in Second Peter 1, those Christian virtues, as they're often called, we're asking it from the standpoint of vitamins for growth. What are God's vitamins for growth? And so tonight at 7 o'clock p.m., we're going to talk about faith and how to supplement that faith with virtue. We would love to have you join us this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. as we kick off that four-part series on Wednesdays. Roger, what about this Sunday morning? Sunday morning, we're going to be drawing from Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul uses the expression, making the most of your time or redeeming the time. We're going to just call this, there's so much to do and so little time. I can relate to that. (laughs) Just about everybody can. And so we're going to talk about what that phrase, redeeming the time, really means. All right. Sunday evening. uh, I I am very predictable right now. Sunday evening, 2 Peter chapter 2. We will explore exactly what you were talking about, Roger, about the importance 
of abiding in what God has delivered. It is a rich time. So much to be thankful for here at Charlestown Road. We are thankful to all of you for listening. We are looking forward to tonight. We'd love to see you at 7 o'clock. We're already looking forward to Sunday. It is the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.